the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. I feel cold. I feel wet. But I feel like a winner. What is Tingus Pingus? That's the problem. All right, right back. Let's go. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. On the first play from scrimmage for Washington, has put six points on the board from 88 yards out. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. It's a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trip move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. He's down the sideline. Touchdown, Aiden Kane. Touchdown, Drive. Oh, my goodness. Three to shoot. Runner in the lane. It's in. Shepard wins. Shepard wins at the buzzer. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live for the seventh day of February 2024. A lesser broadcaster would say it's hump day, but it is Panhandle Sports live here on WEPM and WCST. Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, Parker Stone, all in studio. Gentlemen, how are we doing here on this Wednesday? Doing good. Doing well. I am not hosting two shows at once, so I am good. There you go. Daniel Woods got his first real radio experience. I almost chewed him up and spit him out yesterday, but he's back in the chair and he's bringing the good vibes. Brought the good vibes last night for a high school boys basketball game that we'll talk about coming up here in just a couple of moments. We had a lot of high school boys at, uh, basketball action yesterday, but we also had a high school girls game of uh, pretty significant significance. Uh, we'll also talk a little WVU women's hoops because they continue to amaze. And we'll check some national headlines um, as the show goes on. If you missed yesterday's show, you missed a really interesting interview uh, with Kevin Kalser of Shepard, and he's going to be joining us every Tuesday, probably through the end of the spring semester, as he looks to uh, dip his toe into the waters of uh, other potential career ventures. Very good standout football player, Park Stone, and uh, first time really putting on the headset, save that one appearance he had on the coaches show with us, which when he also did a very good job. Uh, did a very good job yesterday. I'm excited to make him a part of this show uh, for the next couple of weeks because he's got a very unique perspective. Absolutely. You want to talk about personalities, that's that's Kevin Kowser to an absolute T. It, it was cool to see his perspective from someone that's been in the trenches with Shepard and his experience and learning more about that with him yesterday was really fun. And now he's wanting to explore different ventures, get into the world of sports broadcasting and talk about more about his Phantom of the Ravens and what they need to do going on later into the offseason. I, I really enjoyed his presence and excited to see what he has to bring to the table coming through the rest of the spring. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday we're going to have a lengthy appearance from Kevin Kowser 
And as we get through the NFL season, we'll talk about the Super Bowl, I'm sure, a lot next Tuesday. Um, we're also going to get some unique insight, what it's like in that Shepherd football program. By the way, the Shepherd football team picked up a bunch of recruits yesterday. If we have some time, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and we also had a commitment of Lardy of Martinsburg going to uh, West Liberty. We'll talk about that as well. But Daniel Woods, like we mentioned, uh, you were on the scene yesterday. Jefferson using the three ball to put themselves beyond the reaches of Hedgesville. Winning on the, their home floor is certainly something that Jefferson needed to do as they continue to try to get healthy. What did you see in the game uh, where Jefferson hit 10 threes? You know, it, it seems as though Adonis Troxel has really started to solidify himself in the rotation and has really helped carry Jefferson uh, to where they're at at this point in the season. What I think I saw was the most cohesive rotation from Richard Lewis that we've seen this year. Uh, just based on the fact that, yes, Jamari Jenkins and Quentin Goins haven't played in these last couple of games. Quentin Goins hasn't played since early in the season. Uh, but I think we saw the most cohesive and the most consistent rotation uh, from this Jefferson team to this point where it was senior night. So you started five seniors and a, a couple of guys that would normally be in the starting lineup for this team weren't, including Jared Wilberger, who was a senior as well. Uh, but... Adonis Troxel has continued to step up into a bigger and bigger role for this team as the season has gone on. Uh, they played really with Wyatt Shively as the only true forward on the floor for a lot of this game, and it allowed them to spread the floor, and it allowed them to hit a lot of shots from the outside. We know what Jaden Gladney can do uh, from behind the three-point line. Ty Vickers hasn't had his best season shooting the ball, but we know he's capable of spacing the floor. Troxel has taken a big step forward. Shively is not a guy that you can leave wide open from distance. Uh, so with this team so far, now that they've got Kylan Johnson back, it can take on a little bit of a different identity because well, the thing that stood out to me in particular about Johnson is his desire and his willingness to quickly push the ball up the floor and get this team out in transition. And that's something we saw with Jamari Jenkins. But in a lot of cases with Jamari Jenkins, when he gets the ball going quickly up the floor, he's looking to get to the rim and then figure it out after that. Kylan Johnson is getting that outlet pass, getting down the floor, and has his eyes up looking to spray passes out to either side and find those shooters that are more consistently now in the lineup for Jefferson. So if they can find a little bit more of an identity and the ability to shoot the ball from the outside, then I think this, this Jefferson team particularly – when Jamari Jenkins uh, gets healthy in what seems to be the near future, uh, he went through part of warmups uh, last night and then shut it down. Uh, when when Jamari Jenkins is back in what is hopefully the near future, I think this team may still be able to live up to the lofty expectations we had for it at the beginning of the year. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you, Parker Stone. I mean, this is a team that's lost twice to Martinsburg. They've lost to Washington on their home floor. We've seen them kind of at their lowest point. I don't necessarily know if we've seen them at their highest point this season. Of course, we have in years past when you know they beat GW yesterday or yesterday last year in the state se uh, quarterfinals, uh, making it to the state semifinals the year before that. After an undefeated regular season, do you still believe that that's the level of competitiveness that Jefferson can achieve this season? Uh, stands the fact that Jenkins is going to be coming back over the next couple of days. What you saw last night from Johnson, from Gladney, from Troxel, from them being able to defend their home turf. I mean, were you optimistic that that's something that they're going to be able to do in the postseason as well? I Until they prove to me that they can't, I will be. I think is the best way to go about that. The only stretch that they had, they had a four-game losing streak in the middle of January where things were just going off a little bit, which could have been the tipping point for them and could have put them into us saying, well, 
maybe Jefferson isn't built for it this year, but they've won two straight. They've handled business. Tight contest against Musselman. Now a better showing against Hedgesville on your home floor. And you got now dates throughout the month of February. You got five games left. You're at Washington coming up on the 9th. You got a rematch with Spring Mills coming up. Hedgesville once again on the 19th. And then you got GW on the 24th. It's These are matchups here where Jefferson, if they can get fully healthy again, it, it's a team that can get to Charleston. I really do believe so. And they got the coach that's been there before. They got a strong core that they're really leaning on right now. And for Jefferson, I feel like they really needed that win last night to prove that, okay, we are in that top three right now in this conference. And I think that top three is Spring Mills, Martinsburg, and Jefferson. I think that's your three right now with Hedgesville and Musselman kind of duking it out for the four and then maybe Washington a half step behind both Musselman and Hedgesville at the moment. But for Jefferson's case, they needed that win really badly. And, yes, I do think this is still a team that can make some runs, grab the top seed in the Jefferson side of the sectional, and go on a run, get hot, and get back to Charleston. That's part of the reason why they were so successful in the tail end of the month of February and into March last year. They got really hot. They played really great basketball. Ty Vickers really emerged with a three-point shot. And now it's Adonis Troxel doing the same thing, getting hot. He scored 15 points all from beyond the arc last night. If they're able to catch that fire once again, absolutely the Jefferson Cougars are a team that can make their way back to Charleston once again. Some of the other scores from last night, Washington was a winner over James Wood. Spring Mills defeated Millbrook 64-55. We're talking about boys hoops. Xavier Anderson going for 20 points. Caleb Thomas, 18 points, 13 rebounds, 5 blocks, 4 assists uh, in Spring Mills, uh, remaining unblemished through their regular season so far. Um, and we mentioned that Hedgesville-Jefferson game. You can find a recap in today's edition of the Martinsburg Journal written by Rick Kozlowski, along with the next game that we want to talk about. Uh, and again, kind of burying the lead a little bit here because a very significant game in EPAC girls hoops last night as well. Also recapped in the Martinsburg Journal today by Ellie Colbert. But Daniel Woods, Martinsburg is the only unbeaten team in conference play left in the EPAC after they were able to defeat Washington 45-37 to on Tuesday night. Similarly to how we saw Musselman play Washington, a lower scoring game. You can see that this was dictated by the pace of Ronnie Fitzpatrick, who's continuing to do great things with that program. Um, obviously, it was a game that Lexi Adams still played incredibly well for Washington. She goes for 13 points. Santa Maria was the leading scorer for Martinsburg with 10, so it was a balanced scoring effort uh, for the Lady Bulldogs. This is something that comes, I would say, as a surprise, but not a shock to me. Your thoughts, because now Martinsburg, um, who, by the way, was receiving votes and was ranked in one of the AP of the coaches poll, the only EPAC team to accomplish that feat, is able to knock off the team that, up until this point, we considered to be the top team in the EPAC. Defense travels, Martinsburg guards the heck out of people. And uh, that's the thing that stands out to me the most is, and we've talked about this with the Hedgesville boys team and why they're so dangerous, particularly come postseason time. You don't have to score that many points if you hold your opponents under 40. And we have learned that quite a bit uh, in this season from Martinsburg as well. Uh, they just have a bunch of athletes that can go out and make it really hard for their opponents to score. And they don't necessarily have a high-powered offense themselves. But as you said, it's a balanced scoring attack. They've got quality guards that can either set each other up or set up a couple of post players in the middle uh, with Serenity Ritchie and, and Cadence Bradley that, again, give them a, a size advantage at the 4-5 and five over just about anybody else in the conference. So when you have 
a little bit of something to hang your hat on on offense where you can play some bully ball inside and then just press for 94 feet and make it extremely difficult for the other team to get into offensive sets, then you're in a position to make something happen. I think that's what we've seen from this Martinsburg team. I remember seeing them in their first home game of the season against Petersburg and walking away from it thinking, hey, if this team figures out how to score, they're going to be really dangerous. And again, it's not a situation where they're putting up 60, 70, 80 points a night, but they're consistently finding ways to put the amount of points on the board that they need to win these games. And like I said, when you're holding your opponents under 40, it gets a lot easier to hit that number to come out with a win. And we've got Martinsburg uh, girls basketball coming up on Thursday. They take on Hedgesville. You can hear it right here on WEPM and WCST beginning at 7.30. We've got Shepherd University basketball on tonight. If we have some time, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, they're taking on Westchester, 7.30 tip as well. Parker Stone will have the call. Uh, we're going to get to this first break a little quicker, um, and when we return, I want to look at some football recruiting because Shepard added a whole host of players yesterday to the recruiting ranks. In fact, the player committed about 30 minutes ago. We'll talk about that, uh, and we'll also talk about uh, another Martinsburg player that has found a collegiate home. Still to come in the show, we'll talk WVU women's basketball. They continue to dazzle and check some national headlines as well, so stay tuned. It's Payne Handle Sports Live. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. As always, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, Daniel Woods hanging out with you here on a Wednesday morning. I want to talk a little football recruiting news, and I want to start in the world of Shepherd football. This is not a complete list, but... There's been a lot of commits to the program over the last couple of weeks and several over the last 24 hours. Most recently, Donovan Phillips is a 5'10", 175-pound cornerback from Virginia that has committed to play football at Shepard. Also plays running back as well. Um, so he joins a, a pretty impressive list of people to commit over the last couple of hours. Nick Eberhardt is an offensive lineman from Urbana High School, six foot three, two 268 pounds. Shepard is adding significant depth at that position. Also, Malachi Barnes uh, committed yesterday as a middle linebacker, standing at about six foot, 220 pounds. Uh, Milford Mills Academy is where he's currently playing his ball. A, a unique player here in Gavin Salido is a slot receiver and a linebacker from Stephen Decatur High School who stands at five foot seven and 170 pounds. But guys, I'll tell you this. I watched some of his tape yesterday, and he is electrifying. It starts with him coming unblocked through the middle to block a punt for a touchdown. And then there's you know shots of him getting separation, getting into the backfield as a linebacker, and really getting after the quarterback. Uh, some other commits include Jack Bolton, um, another lineman, six foot two, 285 pounds, good size, um, and Kavion, who goes by KK Cutchin. That's going to be an unbelievable name if we get the chance to call that on a couple of broadcasts um, as well. So a couple of takeaways from this for me, Parker Stone. Coach McCook, like we mentioned, he does not miss often with linemen. And this is a heavy, heavy offensive line class. And the other takeaway is I'm curious, you know, you've got some, some PWOs in this or walk-ons and scholarship players as well. You have to think Shepard only lost three players from a season ago, a couple more in the transfer portal. But, you know, this is a – a significant boom in recruiting for a team that didn't lose or lose many players a season ago, and it's very offensive and defensive line centric, 
with some other skill position players mixed into the mix. Absolutely, and great coaches like Coach McCook prepare for the future, and I think this is what a lot of this recruiting class really is. When you look at the trenches on both sides of the Rams football team, some of those core players that you've known for years now, like Wyatt Pelicano, like Ty Lucas, they're starting to get into that upperclassman level. Brandon Carr as well is getting – they're getting up there for – this Rams team, James Bells is going to be a senior as well. They're, they got to start loading up those trenches because coming in the 2025 season, it's going to be a fresh look offensive line for Shepard. And I trust Coach McCook. He's one of the best offensive line coaches in the nation, in my opinion, to develop these guys and get them ready for the position. Because, I mean, look, Brandon Carr stepped in for an NFL caliber right tackle and Joey Fisher and was named an all-conference player. I trust him to develop these guys and get them to a ready position where they need to be. Loading up on the offensive and defensive lines are important. We mentioned that last year, maybe being one of the things and the keys for this Rams team if they want to play more of that traditional 3-3 stack look on defense, getting beefier on the defensive line. I like that. You get guys that are three bills playing nose tackle and love Kevin Cowser to death, but playing <laughs> at 230 at nose tackle, it, it's it's hard playing that position at that stature. You get a guy that's three bills, kind of like what Solomon Alexander was a couple of years ago for this team or a journey Dunbar. You put somebody of that nature in the middle of the defense, it changes things for you. You get some pass rushers as well. It's exciting, and of course, today is National Signing Day for a lot of athletes, so we're going to continue to get information on players coming to Shepard and, of course, players within the Eastern Panhandle signing. And again, follow at EP Sports Network on Twitter. We'll have you updated on that. Now, I don't want to get too crazy and, and make myself look foolish, although to make myself look foolish in this instance, I wouldn't be mad at. But I will say that I don't necessarily think we're trending towards Shepard pulling off another Division One quarterback transfer. I think they're pretty happy with keeping the current stable of arms that they have in their backfield. But, you know, Daniel Woods, obviously you didn't get to cover this team last year. You're going to get to cover it this year. But Shepard has added good depth and key positions. But for the most part, you know, they're returning the majority of their contributions are going to come from the returning quarterbacks the returning wide receivers running back was a position of intrigue where you know they went out and made a couple of offers to some standout transfers in the PSAC but for the most part they're standing pat with where they're at offensive line the majority of the people are going to be back then your secondary the majority of people are going to be back I say all that to say you know coach McCook is adding good depth for the future but there haven't been incredibly big splashy additions in the transfer portal and it's not by way of the fact that Shepard's not able to get any. I just think it's a position of where Coach McCook is rarely happy with the talent that he already has on his roster. That's what I was about to say. When a guy like Ernie McCook doesn't feel the need to go out and try to make moves like that and try to land some Division One down transfers, which there's been some guys come in. You added a defensive lineman from Delaware. Uh, there's There's been a few guys come in this year. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, I think it is the quality of, of talent that this staff feels like they've got in the program. And I think that's what has always stood out over the years is, yeah, Shepard will take a guy like a Seth Morgan to fill a gap, but the program's not built on rinsing that roster out every year and adding down transfers and building around guys that are only going to be here for a year or two. This program develops guys, and it's part of the reason for why I feel like so many guys from this area of West Virginia, but also the surrounding states, come to Shepard and eventually turn into extremely talented football players 
because this Shepherd program develops guys over a period of four years and doesn't look to, to just import talented players from somewhere else and make a one or two year run at something. Now, again, like I said, subject to change, Shepard not done adding pieces, and there could be a couple of splashes before it's all said and done. But you've got a very talented Ram team that's returning a lot of key pieces, and I'm excited uh, to cover this team as we get into the fall months. And like Parker Stone said, anything major that happens in terms of recruiting over the next couple of days will certainly be uh, the, the the people to bring it to you. And I do have uh, one, one major uh, recruiting, one major addition uh, announced this morning. That actually has an effect on both the Shepherd and Glenville State football programs. Mm. Uh, Glenville State head football coach Mike Keller. His son is Shepherd wide receivers coach Jared Keller. And Coach Keller putting out on Twitter this morning uh, that his son, Jared Keller, the wide receivers coach at Shepherd, uh, and his wife have uh, made Coach Keller at Glenville grandparents for the first time today. Oh, Congratulations to them. Awesome. So that, that letter of intent, it says coming in at 559 <laughs> this morning. So congratulations to uh, to the Keller family. Well, and like I mentioned as well, I did want to shout out as well, um, Jalen Lardy, a, a local player that's going to commit to play uh, at the college level at West Liberty. A wide receiver for Martinsburg that hasn't been featured much, but I think we will see um, him do some great things at the next level because I think he's a pretty good playmaker and somebody that I know caught some eyes at the JV rank, so congratulations to him as well. More players to sign. This is an area that continues to be rich in talent. We'll keep you updated on our Twitter page today, at EP Sports Network. But if you want to get out ahead of it, if anybody, if you or anybody you know are uh, planning on committing to play college sports of any kind over the next couple of hours, let us know on the text line, 304-263-4321, because we'd love to shout you out. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, another hearty recruiting class for Shepard. We're excited to cover uh, the team coming up here in the fall. We've got a break to take. When we return, uh, we're going to turn our attention to the WVU women's basketball team because, fellas, they just continue to win. So stay tuned. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Because a man is always capable. Make sure he understands the moment because a man always understands the moment. And you know what else a man does? What? He says, give me my theme music. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. As I mentioned, you can text us 304-263-4321 as we're keeping the conversation alive and talking WVU Women's Hoops. Daniel, the fastest this program's ever gotten to 20 victories. They accomplished that feat yesterday with an 89, make it 82-59 victory against Texas Tech. WVU now 20-2 and on the season, ranked number 22 in the land, which continues to be incredibly disrespectful to me. J.J. Quinnelly continues to be her. She goes for 21 points. Kyle Watson goes for 19. Two other Mountaineers in double figures with Fields and Blackston as well. Uh, we're running out of ways to describe how good this team is. They're winning games in a variety of different ways, but that defensive pressure is still something that has seemed prevalent throughout the game. They shot just under 40% from three. They're getting to the line. They're scoring from all three levels. Not only is this a team that's built for the success that they're experiencing right now under Mark Kellogg, but I don't want to be too harsh because I'm a big, big, big fan of what Mike Carey was able to accomplish, but sometimes you felt as though his teams were built for regular season success and not necessarily postseason success. This is a team that are so good defensively and has enough offensive pieces that can carry you that this is not the kind of team that you want to play in the NCAA tournament. It is not, and this is not the kind of team that you want to play in the round of 32 or the round of 16 because this team is going to be really hard to prepare for on 48 hours' notice. Right. And that's that's the thing that sticks out. Like, they're just running people off the floor. Like I, I don't know how much more you can say 
And yeah, their closer games have been against the better teams in the Big 12. Uh, but I, I really don't know how you look at a team that's 20-2 and two in one of the best conferences of women's college basketball in the country and now has rattled off seven straight wins after back-to-back losses and say this is the 22nd best team in America. I, I don't understand that. You've got a Kansas State team that is as recently as, as a week ago ranked number two in the country and is currently number eight, and West Virginia is ahead of them in the Big 12 Conference standings. So... I, I don't really understand why this team isn't ranked higher. I, I get it that the Big 12 has taken its lumps this year a little bit. Baylor has not been what it was expected to be. Iowa State has cooled off. Texas has cooled off a little bit in conference play, but that's still a Vic Schaefer ba- basketball team, and I'd run through a freaking brick wall for Vic Schaefer. So uh, I I really don't understand why we're underselling this team nationally. I mean, the last time that we got women's basketball bracketology from ESPN, this team's like a six seed, and they're the number 22 team in the country, and they're 20-2. and two. I have a lot of questions about this. Well, Parker Stone, we're going to learn a lot about this WVU women's team and how they finish out the regular season. Seven games remaining, ranked Baylor on the road, at TCU, uh, at home against a ranked Oklahoma team, on the road against the ranked Kansas State team, who, by the way, is number eight in the country. Number 18, Baylor, then returns to WVU, Oklahoma State, and TCU to finish out the season. So what is that? Four of your remaining seven games are ranked, and uh, four of your remaining seven games are on the road. What do you see as an acceptable finish? You know, unless this team completely capitulates, they're they're an NCAA tournament team. Unless this team completely capitulates, they're going to have a pretty good seed going into Big 12 tournament play. What from their remaining seven games do you think is a good end of the season? Um realistically, for this team to have plenty of momentum to continue their success into March Madness? I'd say five. I think five is the magic number, what we're looking for. And I think the big test is this Saturday. You go on the road against Baylor, a team that is well known at this point for being one of the premier programs in women's college basketball for the past two decades. And if you go into Waco and you take down the Bears, I think that's a statement that says, okay, this Mountaineer women's team is one that can really hang in the NCAA Women's Tournament coming up in March. I think TCU, is, I won't call it a gimme game, but that coming up on the Tuesday, it's close to a gimme game as you'll have in this stretch coming up. And then you mentioned Kansas State coming down later down the schedule. If you have a good performance against a Wildcats team that's been one of the best in the nation, you said they were ranked number eight. They were ranked number two last week, and they just got beat by Texas. So if you go and that in, was a game that Ioka Lee didn't play in. Yeah. So it's it's a Kansas State team that is one of the absolute best in the nation. And if you go toe-to-toe with the Wildcats and you have a great outing in that matchup, and again, you mentioned Oklahoma is coming to Morgantown on the 17th of February, I'd say if you can find a way to get five wins out of the seven remaining, I think we're comfortably in a conversation with this team being one that is going to be, I think the real point we're looking at right now, top three seed in the Big 12 tournament, I think that's really the benchmark we're going to try and look for because you look at the top tier of this conference it's you could say texas kansas state baylor wvu and maybe a half step behind is like an iowa state or oklahoma so that's seven teams vying for three of the top spots in conference play i think if if this team could find a way to be one of those top three teams in the big 12 tournament this is a team that very well can make it to a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight. Now, Daniel, something else that we've talked about is Mark Kellogg's kind of accomplished this with a hand tied behind his back because he doesn't have every player eligible. There are players that are going to come back and play for this team next year. 
Um, and as good of a roster as it is, and it is, don't get me wrong, it's not a roster that's got significant depth because, again, when he was brought in, the players he was able to bring in, some of whom were ineligible, he didn't get a full recruiting offseason. So, you know, we've got an opportunity to get some ineligible players back, number one, and number two, get a full offseason of Mark Kellogg recruiting, which already has proven to be exceptional because he signed several top 100 recruits for next season. Yeah, that's the that's that's the rub with this, isn't it? You get uh, uh, Zion Nugent, who averaged 13 points per game uh, at Stephen F. Austin uh, for Mark Kellogg back uh, from an injury uh, next year. You get a Shayla Mosberry, who's a two-time transfer coming over from the junior college ranks, eligible next year, and you're bringing in two top 100 recruits who are going to solidify positions of need for you because you're bringing in another true point guard and you're bringing in a true post player, which is really where the gap in your roster has been to this point. Uh, but what's really impressed me is the way that this team has found ways to develop depth. There's not a lot of players that are able to go out there and give you a ton of minutes. Those starters play a lot of minutes, uh, but Jayla Hemingway is a player that's been around this program for a while that has found a role now uh, that she is becoming that first player off the bench that can come in and can play really one through four with the the way that this team plays and, and guard up the lineup and just has a role. And I think that's the biggest thing for her is finding a role because that's not necessarily a defined thing that she had uh, across the beginning of the season. I, I've talked about it before, but between Kylie Blackson in the starting lineup and Tavi Diggs coming off the bench behind her, uh, those are two players that are now getting into the final years of their college careers that are playing the best basketball of their college careers. And it's all coming at the direction of Mark Kellogg. Beyond those two on the inside, for most of the year, you didn't have a ton. And neither of those players are really true physical five players at the center position. But now, as the season's gone on, Danelle Eric Babu has really come along as a six foot four player who takes up a lot of space in the paint. And you can put her out there for 10 or 12 minutes a game. And then, depending on matchups, maybe more to go in and be physical with some of the bigger post players in the Big 12 that you're going to run into from time to time. Uh, so, like I said, the depth has developed uh, just based around Mark Kellogg being able to mix and match pieces. Uh, simply depending on what the matchups are and really riding who's the hot hand at that point. Speaking of Mark Kellogg, let's hear a couple of his opening comments from last night's postgame and their victory against Texas Tech. Yeah, uh, obviously another solid win. Um, good win for the team. Um, settled in. Um, a little bit after probably the first six or seven minutes, I thought we played pretty well. Um, I thought they came out a little more aggressive than we were, um, probably a little upset after their loss the other night. So we, we thought they would come out probably pretty fired up and, and excited to play this game and um, probably a little more aggressive. Um, I didn't think we, you know, from a game plan scouting perspective, were as dialed in as we probably needed to be, uh, but still played okay. Um, and then really started to settle in in the second quarter. Um, so felt good with what, I think it was a 12 point lead at half. Um, and then that third quarter was, was fantastic and us at our best and played fast and got some turnovers and hit shots and got to the rim and got him in a little foul trouble um, and, and just stayed aggressive. And, um, you know, it took a couple runs, um, but that got the separation we needed. And then obviously the fourth quarter wasn't, wasn't great, but it didn't matter really um, at that point. So um, yeah, happy for the group. Um, 
you know, fastest team, I guess, in program history to get to 20 wins. So that's that's remarkable in our first year. So, um, you know, it means something, but that's just uh, we'll, we'll worry about that when the season's over now um, and move forward. Um, I thought Kaya Watson was phenomenal again tonight. She's played great for us. Um, I've called her the glue, um, and she just did everything again, um, but got her career high along the way. Um, Quinterly was efficient and did JJ things. Um, you know, Jordan didn't score it great, but her line was pretty good too. Just did a little bit of everything. And I thought Kylie Blackston's been pretty good here lately. She had another good night. Um, Lauren got to double figures. Um, so we tried to get everybody to score. We just didn't quite get Tirza um, some points, but it was good to have her back tonight. That was her first action in, in quite some time. So um, full strength for us now, I hope, moving forward. Um, we've got an off day tomorrow, which comes at a great time because we need it. Um, and then we'll regroup um, and get ready for Saturday. But um, solid win, uh, playing well here in the Coliseum. So um, just keep moving forward. So that's the post-game thoughts of Mark Kellogg, the head coach of the WVU women's basketball team, now 20-2 and two on the season. Break to take when we return. We'll get Parker's picks and check some national headlines. And uh, as always, your texts are appreciated at 304-263-4321. But stay tuned. It's Panhandle Sports Live. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. Live games, including tonight's broadcast of Shepherd Men's Basketball. Parker Stone has the call as the game will be at approximately 7.30 against Westchester. And uh, an opportunity, if you want to hear the the silky smooth voice of Daniel Woods for the Shepherd Women's game, you have to go over to their uh, webpage on the actual team website uh, and watch via the PSAC Digital Network because we're partnering with them. We appreciate them uh, allowing us to plug into their broadcast as we bring you Shepherd basketball through the conclusion of the regular season and hopefully the postseason for both teams. Don't forget, we're a couple of days, eh, make it a week and a half removed from postseason play starting in high school girls hoops, sectional and regional action you can hear here on the Panhandle News Network, the boys regional uh, and sectional the week after that. And of course, every game involving an EPAC team down at the state tournament provided by the great folks over there at Metro News uh, to come your way late in the month of February and in early March as well. I don't know if it's sacrilegious if we get closer to the broadcast date, if we can start mixing in the Metro News music at some point. See, I, I, I don't know if it's sacred enough that you should only play it as a part of the broadcast or if we can we, we can play just a, a snippet or two of it here on the show. We'll, 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 we'll have that discussion off air and see what we we'll can do. That up, we'll run that up. Stand by. Thanks. 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 Well, well, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't planning on you talking. I was about to get the Parker's picks. We'll run that up the chain of command. You rudely interrupted my train we'll, of thought. We'll we'll, uh, we'll run that past past Hoppy Kerchival. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he'll he'll be pleased to get a call from us. All right, it's Parker's picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, we split two for three yesterday on Trade Tuesday. Both bonus picks end up hitting. We ended up. Getting in on Terry Rozier, he was able to hit two three-pointers. The over-under was at one and a half, so barely hits his line. And Carl Anthony Towns hit seven threes last night, but the Timberwolves still lose to the Bulls, 129-123. Brunson just short for us. We needed him to get three. He only gets one, and the next 10-point win over the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going all college basketball today. My lock for today, I'm going to take over 152.5 total points in the LSU-Tennessee game. We talked about it on Monday. Big fan of the Vols coming up in March if you're filling out your brackets beforehand and trying to figure out teams you want to push up your brackets and get to that top tier of teams towards the end of the run. 
I think Tennessee is one that could be in that conversation. They score a ton of points, and this is a team in LSU where, I mean, they're just trying to hang on in the SEC right now. Tennessee is able to score a lot of points. I think they can maybe even take two-thirds of this over, and even LSU, even if it's like a 100 to like 60 outing or something of that nature or something around that line, Tennessee could get is able to get us that amount of points. So I'm going to take the Tennessee and LSU over 152.5 for today. Couple of upsets as well. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go Alabama beats Auburn on the road today. I think the Tide's playing some good basketball right now. At 16 versus 12, the Tide come in at 16. The Tigers come in at 12. I got Alabama getting a win on the road just with the the ability they're playing. I think they're gonna get hot at the right time. And the Tide again. Remember what they did last year. Now is a chance for them to reestablish themselves as players in the SEC. And I'm going to go with Providence getting a home win over Creighton. That's a close line. It's two and a half favoring Creighton Blue Jays. I'm going to take Providence to get that win at home just with the home court advantage. I'm going to take them plus two and a half. So over 152 and a half in the Tennessee LSU game tonight. Alabama upsets Auburn. And I got Providence upsetting Creighton for today. Some divine providence from Parker Stone on Parker's Picks today. I love to see it. Now, guys, we mentioned some national headlines, and there have been some interesting stories over the last couple of hours. And I wanted to start with this, although you guys kind of seem to insinuate that you thought it was kind of a non-story. ESPN, Fox, and Warner Bros. Bros. Discovery announced plans on Tuesday to launch a sports streaming platform um, that's going to bundle the majority of sports content into a one-stop place for viewers. Um, it's going to include games for the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, WNBA, and NASCAR. Can't forget NASCAR. As well as the men's and women's NCAA tournaments, golf, tennis, and the FIFA World Cup. So think about all these networks that are now going to be in one place. ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, ESPN2, U, the SEC and ACC networks, ESPN News, ABC, Fox, FS1 and 2, the Big Ten Network, TNT, TBS, and True TV. Um, you know, Daniel, your thoughts on this. To me, it is... It goes a long way to bundle for people that aren't necessarily tied to cable television, aren't necessarily tied to an alternative like Hulu TV or YouTube TV, or want to get away from one of those entities. It's an opportunity for them to do so and maintain the the same sports coverage that they're accustomed to. I guess the biggest concern for me is how much all of this is going to cost. Yeah, cost is the question because they're going to have to make this more affordable than cable. Right. Because... All of these things are available with the sports add-on of your basic local cable package. So if they can make this a more cost-effective option uh, than just getting cable from Xfinity or adding DirecTV or Dish Network or whatever it might be, then absolutely this is a huge thing. But if they can't make it less cost-prohibitive than a cable package, I don't really necessarily know what it does. YouTube TV, you get all of these channels essentially with an upgrade on YouTube TV past the basic package. So it's interesting because you're throwing ESPN Plus into the mix. The question to me, again, remains cost. And if you can put put this into a position where it is a more cost-effective option than cable or the traditional over-the-top streaming platforms that people are using to get television right now, then yeah, this is a game changer. But I'm not going to make a judgment on this until I see cost for it. And I think, again, what a lot of people are going to be very interested in with this is if you were to go to something like this, where are you going to get your regional sports networks from? 
in I know growing up in Morgantown, where are you going to get Sportsnet Pittsburgh from? Where are you going to get Masson from uh, in the Eastern Panhandle and going towards D.C. and uh, Masson's New England? Where are you going to get Nesson from? Mm-hmm. No, Nesson is New England. Masson is here. I'm sorry. I'm new. Uh, where are you going to get Masson from for the, the Orioles and the Nationals and the Wizards? Where, where are you going to get that from? So until everything kind of coalesces a little more, I'm not going to make a judgment here. But there's a lot of gaps to be filled in for me before I say this is a slam dunk thing that every sports fan in America is going to go out and purchase. Here's what I think is more interesting to me is not just the networks themselves, which are obviously incredibly important, but what if there was a way to unify every major sports add-on games package? MLB Extra Innings. Um, you know, NFL red zone along with every regular season game, whatever, and put yeah, that the on the ticket. Yeah, exact Sunday ticket and put that in one place mm. for an, an added cost. So, you know, you're right. Would I pay 30 bucks a month just to have access to these live sports channels that may or may not include regional sports networks? I don't necessarily think I would, but would you pay $45 a month to have access to all of those networks along with every single NFL and Red Zone, every single NBA regular season game, Major League Baseball as well. That, I think, is more intriguing than just the networks. Parker Stone, your thoughts? Well, I'll be the bearer of bad news in saying if that ever happens, it is not going to be $45. Yeah, you're it, right. it might be more towards $245, if anything else. But uh, it's the whole streaming thing, it, It's got it's taken an interesting turn in the past few years. We've seen... Big streaming deals from, I mean, I'll even go outside the realm of sports and I guess into the world of sports entertainment with WWE going up with a deal with Netflix, of all things, which is interesting. They've gone to Peacock for a lot of their stuff as well. And how this is going to really turn in the next, I think, five or so years is going to be interesting as more people are going away from traditional cable television to now this streaming era we're in right now how's it going to maneuver and i've seen so many people online saying well we're cutting the cord to cable just to return to cable just in a different form with all these streaming platforms how's it going to turn out the execution here is going to be everything and we'll just have to see because at the at the forefront when streaming first got big it was like okay we're getting this great value for what it is now with everything being bundled together as one now we're seeing potentially prices get bigger or at what cable was at some points for certain people, depending on how many streaming services you have. Right. So it's really what it's going to boil down to is the execution and the value for what's brought in. Because, again, you mentioned it's it's ESPN, Warner Brothers, and Fox, correct? Mm-hmm. Those three conglomerates together, that's a lot of content coming through there. If it's for a great price, absolutely. I'm all the way in for it. But it's all about what's included, the execution of this. It's going to be everything. Now, running out of time on the show, before we go, I wanted to talk about the biggest uh, headline in college uh, men's college basketball yesterday Tigers as well. Tigers win it here in Chapel Hill. Their second win ever. They've won two of three now in this building and open up the second half of the ACC in about the best way possible. Clemson wins it over North Carolina, 80-76. to 76. What a great win for our Clemson Tigers. Man had a huge mug of helium before he went and stepped behind the <laughs> microphone. Uh, Daniel, Clemson beats North Carolina in Chapel Hill off the heels of them beating Duke over the weekend. 
Does this mean anything for North Carolina other than they're going to have to lose a couple of games in the ACC? No, they're going to. I think what this means more is it's going to give the administration at Clemson another reason to keep Teflon Brad <laughs> Brownell around. Uh, Te- Teflon Brad is inevitable, man. He's, he's not getting run out of there without a fight. Uh, so... I think this Clemson team is firmly on the bubble, and I think they really helped themselves with that win. But I don't think this means a whole lot for UNC. I think the more concerning thing is you saw in the postgame comments, uh, both Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram saying, you know, there's some issues going on. They had a bad practice Monday that Hubert Davis broke up early and just said, go home and figure yourselves out. They had a bad shoot around on Tuesday, and then they had guys show up late for the game Tuesday night. Uh, so if there's some off the court stuff going on with this UNC team, that would be my bigger concern than then ju- than them just outright losing to Clemson because I don't think Clemson's a bad team. My concern now with UNC is those comments and what's going to happen next for this team off the court. Well, that's going to do it for us in this edition of Panhandle Sports Live. We appreciate you making us a part of your Wednesday. Stay tuned. Panhandle Live is standing by top of the hour, the award-winning Panhandle Live at 9.05 and Metro News Talk Line at 10.06. And stay tuned for tonight. We've got Shepherd University basketball against Westchester. Parker Stone heads behind the microphone for a 7.30 tip. For Parker Stone, Daniel Woods, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.